1: As we move into our call to confession, I'm going to continue in Psalm 95 once again. Psalm 95, hear God's word as we prepare to confess our sins to the Lord. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Thus far the reading of God's word. Israel did not listen to God in the wilderness. God says in the book of Numbers that they tested him ten times, hardening their hearts against him, even though they had seen the ten plagues, the Egyptian firstborn die, the Red Sea part, They heard his voice, literally they heard his voice at Sinai. But still they did not trust and obey the Lord. So they died without entering the land. This is a warning to us to listen when God is talking. How often do we get our Bibles off the shelf? How often do our minds wander while we read? How much of the sermon do we actually take in? Pastors want to know. How much of the truth do we know? Uh, How much of the truth that we know do we actually live out? These are questions that uh, present themselves to us when we hear about Israel, not uh, listening in the wilderness. So with that in mind, let's confess our sins before Almighty God. I encourage you to kneel as I'll offer up a prayer of prayer. Text. And as we turn there, let me offer a prayer for illumination as we read the word. Lord God, your psalmist says that in your light we see light. And so we turn to uh, your light now. Your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Help us, Lord, uh, to have this word enlighten, uh, shine upon our hearts and lives and families and church and neighborhood and nation and your world. We pray for this uh, so that your kingdom may come and that your will may be done. And we pray in the name of the King, Jesus Christ. Amen. First Samuel chapter 3 this morning. I'll read the entire chapter. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times. because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. The grass withers, the flower fades, and this word of God stands forever. And God's people said... Amen. Well, this is a well-known and loved story of the Old Testament that we uh, teach to our kids. I remember hearing of this story in a vacation Bible school for the first time when I was five or six or seven, and uh, with the old flannel graphs and everything. So this is a a story that's uh, often retold, but... The thing about this story is that only the first half of the chapter is usually told. And we stop right around verse 11, and we don't actually hear what God said, which is quite ironic since the whole point of the passage is to hear what God said. (laughs) <laughs> so, we're going to look at the whole chapter today, and if you have the sermon outline in front of you, uh, notice uh, how consistently the, the structure of the text is. And th- I just want to linger on that for a second, that God's word is a masterfully crafted uh, word. Uh, and uh, we see it here once again, With I've tried to uh, depict it with the indents on that sermon outline. You, there's really seven sections to each of the first uh, sermons, uh, each of the first three uh, texts that we've looked at, that with the fourth section being the, the middle most important one and then the first and the last are parallel, the second and the second to last are parallel, and so on. We had that in chapter 1, we had it in chapter 2, and we have the same here in chapter 3. So same structure, it's amazingly consistent. Uh, I think it's intentional uh, that it's not only uh, that God picks every word and and every word of God is chosen by him, but but even the, the structure, how they're put together, the literariness of it. That's probably not a word anyway, literariness. So so we have here uh, nothing less than the beginning of a reformation of God's people. Uh, And uh, this would be a sermon fit for Reformation Day, so I might uh, talk Reformation a little bit more than usual. We are a reformed people. We're always uh, reforming according to the word of God. And that's the theme here, is hearing the word of God and reforming our lives and our nation and, and our society according to it. So that's the basic point. So let's look at each of these. We'll, so we'll just run through the seven sections. There's really four points, right? You get, we'll get to the fourth point, and that's the main one. And then we'll recover uh, points three, two, and one, just like uh, the text has it. So first of all, the word of God is rare. Uh, you see that in verse 1. The word of God is rare, uh, but the word, uh, you see uh, in its all capitals, LORD, in our English translations, right, it's Yahweh, Uh, that appears a ton of times in this chapter. If you just scan the the text, you see the all caps LORD several times, more than usual. So it's kind of an interesting uh, feature, again, just the way that's being written. uh, The first thing that's said is, the word of Yahweh is rare. And then the whole chapter, you see Yahweh, 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 over and over. Because that's part of the point, is it's not going to be rare anymore. It it was rare, but now God's going to speak. Now God shows up. And that's what's going on here. And Reformation, a revival, uh, people hearing the word of God again, reading it, paying attention to it, conforming their lives to it, that all depends on God showing up. Uh, else it's not going to happen. Uh, Proverbs 29:18, we often quote in a, in a cultural war uh, kind of context, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Uh, and that's so true, abundantly true, I think, in our day, in our nation, in the news that you see, that people are not listening to the word of God these days. Uh, and as a result, they're casting off restraint. We see it all over this nation. So in contrast to that, here as God comes to Samuel, God blesses his people with wise men who lead and teach us according to faithfulness once again. So God withholds that blessing at times. Amos 8, right? I'm going to bring a famine on this land, a famine of not listening to the word of God. So I'm going to withdraw my word. God does that at times. And the only way back, uh, to obedience is for God to unilaterally decide to send His word. And so he calls Samuel. and that's what he's doing here. So uh, he chooses Samuel at, at the same time that he's also preparing eyes to see and ears to hear. right? That's, there, there's two parts to that process, right? You can have somebody faithfully speaking the word, but if nobody's listening, there won't be Reformation either. God prepares both sides of the communication process. So the word of God is rare at first, and then second point is that Shiloh is dim. Shiloh is dim. This is where Eli, verse two, whose eyesight has begun to grow dim, he can't see. Verse three, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Close, right? You get the sense there of of fading, of dusk, sunset, right? The light is going away. That's the picture uh, that, uh, that the, the text is, is giving us. It may all, there's a kind of an interesting thing there in verse 3 that it may also be a time thing. Uh, the, the time of day, right? The, the, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. It, it's, it's just at bedtime. Maybe that's what's also being said. It could be both. It's t- time to go to sleep, time to put out the light, uh, and that's when Samuel lies down in the temple but there's also the bigger picture, which uh, the Gospel of John often points to, right? The light and the dark, though, those images. You know, when Judas goes out to betray Jesus, it was night. Uh, those kinds of pictures that John uh, presents to us, we've got here as well. There's more going on than just the time of day. Uh, Shiloh is dim. Eli can't see. It's like Isaiah 6 again. That the, the, the God says, keep on seeing, but don't see. That's what's happening. There's no light. There's there, these are dark days of inattentiveness to the word, and, and that's really the point, right? This is the beginning. Uh, this is in the context of judges, judges when uh, nobody, when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. That's the idea. I don't know how many of you know Lord of the Rings. I'm a, a fan of the trilogy. If you know the story, uh, Shiloh is like the palace of Rohan. I don't know if you remember King Theoden. If that story, uh, he's an old and deceived and despairing king, Theoden. He sits there in the darkness under the sway of worm tongue, a pawn of the evil one. Shiloh is a little bit like that dim and deceived, people going astray. That's the second point. Shiloh is dim. Third, and here we get uh, more text here, verses 4 through 14. Samuel hears the word of Yahweh. This is the part of the story that that we love to read about. Samuel, hearing God's call, uh, goes to Eli. I didn't call you. Goes back three times. Here I am. You did call me. I didn't call you. Uh, So Samuel hears. And several of our scripture readings refer to this today, right? John 10, my sheep hear my voice. Samuel is one of God's people. So when God calls, he hears and he responds. That's how it's supposed to go. Uh, For a Jew today and centuries back as well, the most important verse of the Bible begins with the word hear. They call it the Shema, right? Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. It's the first word of the most important verse uh, in the Old Testament. Hear, listen up. And Samuel's listening. Speak, Lord. Eli teaches him to say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. The whole point is to hear the word of God. Today, Psalm 95 we read as well. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. So Samuel is quick to respond, verses 5 and verse 8 especially, you see that. He ran to Eli, and verse 8, he arose and he went. All this action, Samuel is quick to respond. He's running back and forth. He's, he's doing everything he can to, to do something when he hears God's word. And that ought to be us too. We should be quick to respond. Uh, and there's a point of persistence there, right? Samuel's got a, a bit of a, a hill to overcome here. Shiloh's dim. Eli is old and a bit apathetic, it seems, right? He's not restraining his sons. He's not doing what he's supposed to. So for, Sam, for, for reformation to come, there's a bit of a hill to, to go up and to get over. And Samuel's doing that. He's, he's quick to respond, and he's persistent in his response. And we all need that because we've all got that inertia of, of the sinful nature that doesn't want to respond to the word. So you notice Samuel three times... And that's just, um, he, he's, he's responding and he gets nothing back, right? So he, he goes back, he hears the word again. He responds, he gets nothing back. He goes back, hears the word again, responds. That's how we're to be. And I think there's a practical point there. If you're doing your uh, personal devotions and scripture reading, there's often those times when you read the Bible and it feels like you got nothing, right? That's fine. Okay. Go back to the Word again tomorrow. There may be nothing then. Go back to the Word the next day. Persistence in response to the Word is critical. It's important. Uh, So uh, Samuel is responding to the Word. That's the main point there. I've uh, got a few other uh, short notes on this section, so bear with me. There's a lot here. So much to learn. Note number one, Samuel is in the tabernacle. And when we talk about uh, hearing the word of God, responding to the word of God, you you will normally find the word of God that comes to you when you are with God's people uh, assembled at church, at the temple, at the tabernacle in his day, right? That's where you're going to hear the word. That's the idea. That's note one. Note two, uh, notice that Samuel confuses God with Eli, right? Uh, And uh, he's a boy, and this isn't so bad, for children uh, to be used to obeying their parents and they almost confuse the two, right? That, that, that's a, a design feature God built into the creation, right? Our, our father figure is, is as God to us. That, that's, that's how it's supposed to be in a way, right? Children, when you hear your mother calling, you hear your Lord's minister, right? Uh, his, God's ambassador is calling to you when your mother is calling, Uh, So uh, he's calling you to obedience. Parents stand in for God, raising uh, his children. But Samuel's problem with that is that he isn't seeing through Eli to God yet. And that's the key, right? We need to see through our authority figures, uh, and we should see God working through them. Samuel's only seeing Eli yet. He thinks it's Eli calling him. Uh, so in a similar way, I, I hope that, uh, you know, this goes for the church situation, too, uh, in preaching. I, I hope that you hear your Lord's voice when you hear me preaching. Right? The point isn't to hear my opinions and to hear my take on a passage so much as, as it is to hear God's voice, God's speaking. Uh, that's the idea. I should fade out of the picture, and you should be hearing God's voice through me. So that's Samuel's problem here. Samuel is not seeing through Eli yet. He's not hearing God call him. That's the second note there. Uh, Third note, Samuel serves and he grows and he's obedient, but he doesn't know Yahweh yet. That's an interesting phrase. I'm not sure what to make of that. Uh, Some people make of that that Eli's been such a bad teacher that he's not even discipling, he's not even teaching Samuel about the Lord. I'm not sure that that's what it means. I think it just means Samuel hasn't received revelation from God yet, like he's going to. Uh, that tends to be how I take it, but you could go either way. Uh, but the idea here is that it's, it's perfectly fine uh, for, uh, oh, excuse me, we, we, want to, we want to act, we want to obey, we want to do as Samuel's doing, right? Samuel's ministering before the Lord. And yet he doesn't yet know the Lord. He, he hasn't had that, the voice come to him. He hasn't, perhaps he hasn't had a personal response. Maybe that's how we can think of it. We don't, we're not sure. But what we can glean from that is that it's fine for us to teach our kids, uh, and they don't quite get it all yet, right? We teach them content that they don't fully understand yet, but they grow into it right? That's what we do in, in church as well. It's important to have our children in worship even though they don't know why we set the liturgy up the way we do, right? It's, it's okay to have our kids in the worship service even though they're not catching on to everything that's going on. That's part of what Samuel is experiencing here. So that's the third note. Samuel's serving, he's growing, he's ministering, but he he's doesn't know everything yet. He's, he's going to learn a lot more as God starts calling him. And that's how we grow. Uh, Fourth note is that Eli is slow, right? Think of Eli in this situation. It takes him three times uh, to realize, oh, God's talking to you. Oh, (laughs) the light goes on real slowly, right? Eli's slow, but he knows how to respond. When he gets it, he gets it. And he says, oh, you've got to respond to the Lord. Talk to the Lord yourself, Samuel. And that's something that we as parents need to also do. And sometimes we're slow in that as well, right? We teach our kids, you know, do this, say this. But there comes a time when we need to say to our kids, you talk to God. You say to them, speak, Lord. Your servant hears. Eli's slow. So several things we can learn here. We can learn from those who seem less faithful, right? Eli is less faithful. He's slow. But Samuel can still learn from him what he needs to do. That's really important. Uh, many of our fathers in the faith have much to teach us, even if they didn't understand some things as we do. I think that's extremely relevant to this, all this statue tearing down right now. Uh, so many of, the, of those uh, men, those historical figures in those statues are important figures who have done great things. They had flaws and they had big flaws. Does that mean we need to tear down statues? I don't know, we need to uh, um, find ways to honor our forefathers in the faith. So, like Eli, we need to remain teachable to people like Eli, even though we see, man, he messed that up badly, but he had all of this right and we're doing none of this. (laughs) Those kinds of things we need to be careful to learn from history. And also remember that we're, we're more like Eli than we are like Samuel. Right? Whenever you, This is a, something I learned from R.C. Sproul, I think. Whenever you see somebody in Scripture messing things up, it, our response shouldn't be, how could they do that? Our response should be, how am I like that? Uh, that's, that's the proper response. Uh, so how are we like Eli? And we're missing things over and over. And we need the next generation to come to us and ask questions before we get it. That's Eli. We're slow to speak. Uh, we're slow to hear God speak, I should say, uh, to know that it's him. Uh, fifth note here, still on point three. Uh, this is the first time that God summons someone by name twice, uh, and that's in verse 10. Samuel, Samuel. That's quite important. When God calls your name twice, that's very significant in Scripture. It only happens a few times. Abraham, Moses, Samuel are the first three. So there you have the significance that this is a prophet higher in stature than anybody since Moses. So all the period of the judges has gone by now. Now comes Samuel, a key figure. Last note in this section is is that what God actually says in verses 11 through 14, we often skim over because it's such bad news. (laughs) <laughs> it's bad news for Eli but this is the content of the word this is what God says and so it's crucial for us to hear and the message is the same as last week it's the same as chapter 2 the downfall of Eli's house is coming now talk about a, not an easy first message you'd think God would, would give Samuel a little bit of training wheels right here's an easy message give this to Eli no he throws him in the deep end you're going to deliver my word that's not going to be easy because you're going to have to say hard things to the person who's been raising you. That's what Samuel has to do. It's amazing. God tells Samuel the same thing he's told others. Samuel hears God speak, and then, and then you have this kind of dramatic pause, right? And that's where we come to the main point this morning, Samuel opening the doors, that's verse 15. So I just find it fascinating between verse 14 and verse 15. There's kind of this abrupt end at verse 14. No comment like, and the Lord concluded his words, or and the Lord left Samuel. Nothing like that. It just just stops. And then Samuel lay until morning. <laughs> and my family kind of laughed when I read that. like, yeah, he probably wasn't sleeping after that message. He's probably up all night, and now I gotta go open the doors in the morning and Eli's gonna be there, and he's gonna wanna know what God said after I just woke him up three times tonight. <laughs> so, wow. Well, here again is the center as I see it. With that kind of, uh I'm gonna have to say something now that I've heard God's word. That's right where we are, right? We, we are people who who've mostly have grown up with the Bible what we've grown up, raised in the faith. And we get to those moments in our lives, to those points where we realize, oh, I've got I've to do something with this at this moment. It's key right now. I can see it in this situation. I've got to say something or do something, whatever it is. That's the center here. The word of God, Uh, Samuel opens the doors of the house. And remember, uh, think about what's going on here. This isn't the temple as we know it, but it's the same kind of tabernacle tent setup, right? The word of God is inside, Uh, literally in the ark. The tablets of the Ten Commandments are, are in the ark. Samuel opens the doors. He's opening the door between the the word of God in the ark and the people uh, outside of the tabernacle. That's the prophet's job, to take the word that he receives in God's presence and bring it out to the people, right? Isaiah 6 we we read, and it's a familiar, beloved passage to us, right? Isaiah sees God high and lifted up, and Isaiah is taken up too. Isaiah is brought into the throne room and after the, the coals, and he knows he's undone, he's, he's set right. And then God says, who's going to go and speak for us? And Isaiah says, I'll go, send me. He says, okay, go and tell him this. That's what the prophet does. That's what Samuel's doing. He opens the doors. Samuel's a, a faithful gatekeeper. <clears throat> Not like Eli, who is sitting by the gate. Not like his sons, who are doing other awful things at the gate. Samuel's going to be the gatekeeper between God and his people. So that's where we see Samuel the prophet. Samuel was prayed for by Hannah at that same doorway that he's opening. Remember that? Hannah praying, and Eli is sitting there, and Eli gets a little rough with her wrongly. Hannah's praying for a son. And now there he is, and he's opening the door, doing what needs to be done. This is, again, fulfilled in Jesus as our our prophet, right? Jesus was always lifted up. He was always in God's full presence. He is God. And then Jesus, uh, God, uh, sends Jesus uh, to us to teach us God's word. Jesus goes out the doors of the heavenly temple to the people, and he shepherds them back to himself. So that's the center of this text. It's the temple doors being opened to the world so the word can go forth to God's people. That's what we're after. At the center of all of history is the cross of Jesus. When the veil of the temple is ripped apart and the doors are flung open, God is with us once again. That's the idea. That that gives you a glimpse of the authority of Jesus, right? Flinging open the doors of his house. Going out and bringing us back into his house to be with him. He's got the keys of the kingdom. He's got the keys of Hades and of death. Nobody's gonna stop him from getting those doors open so we can come in. He is the door. That's John chapter 10 once again. And, it, and I go back to Middle Earth again and to Tolkien because that, that's what happens in Rohan. If you know the story, the, the, the movie portrays this quite well actually. Gandalf opens the doors of the, of the temple hall, uh, temple, the, the palace throne room hall, right? It's all dark and dusty inside. Gandalf opens the doors, lets the sunlight in. That's what the word of God does. Well, I'm dwelling on this a little long, but that's the main point here of the text. Samuel opening the doors. So uh, let's now cover the other three points. Going back, so Samuel next verses 16 to 18, uh, and here's the awkward moment. Eli really presses him. Hey, what did what did God tell you? May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything. Tell me everything. And here you have a a wonderful example of how we're all supposed to be when we open our Bibles. Right? Uh, Lord, tell me everything I need to know. I I, I know I don't have everything yet. You you are all truth. I don't know everything yet. Tell me everything I need to know. So, uh, that's what Eli says. And he calls him his son, also Samuel, my son. Samuel is Eli's adopted son, in a way. That's a, a theme that comes up throughout Samuel, that there's a another son who who steps in to be faithful. So Samuel uh, learns from Eli, but he has to surpass him in righteousness. He has to speak this hard word to him. Uh, Samuel hears, and then he speaks. And that's point three, right, of the the two parallels. Samuel hears the word of God in verses 4 through 14. Samuel speaks the word of God here in verses 16 to 18. That's the parallel. So notice it's not enough for us to hear God's word. We must also do or speak, right? Again, this is Shema, this is hear. Uh, you know, in our, in our day, in our, the way we speak to each other, uh, we have all these diplomatic ways of disagreeing with people, you know? Let me push back on that a little bit, we say. Uh, or another thing we say is, I hear you, right? That's often a way we introduce, I hear you, but I don't agree with you. Uh, you know, I hear what you're saying. That's the total opposite of, of Hebrew hear, right? Shema here means do, listen, right? It's more the way we say as a parent, "Hey, listen to me, <laughs> right? You know they heard you uh, say to put to bring the garbage out, but now they need to listen. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Hey, you need to actually listen. It's the same thing as listening and doing. If you if you're really listening, you're gonna you're gonna do. You're gonna you're gonna speak. That's what Samuel's doing here. He he speaks. Not only does he get up three times in the middle of the night, but he does something with that word he heard." It does something which he's called to do. And that's, again, key to the prophet's role, to speak what God speaks without massaging it based on who, you, who you're talking to. right? Judgment begins with God's house, Scripture says. So the first message in a while that God brings to Israel is against Eli. Ouch. And when the doors are flung open, the light shines on the house of God. And Samuel could so easily have quailed at this point. And looking Eli in, in the eye, Eli in the eye, looking Eli in the eye, he, he, he could have changed his mind, right? Well, God didn't really speak to me last night. I was hearing things. right? We, we take for granted Samuel's faithfulness. Well, that, that's the kind of thing they would have done in, in the days of the judges. Just fudge the truth just so you can get by. No, Samuel speaks what he heard. He, he reads, he understands this, and he goes and does it. That's what we're after. So again, if, if Samuel hadn't, hadn't been faithful, what we want to say then is what they say in Esther, right? If, if you don't speak up now, deliverance will come for Israel from another place. God would still have brought reformation as he wanted it. He just wouldn't have used Samuel then. But God's uh, plan was to use Samuel. He made him faithful. So to take God's word to those who need it most, uh, we need to hear it, and we need to do it. So Samuel believed what God said. He spoke. And this is so important for us. It's, it's not enough for us to read the right books, uh, to hear a faithful sermon. We have to take our wisdom, the, the truth that we've learned, and test drive it. Go take it out on, on the road. Go public with it. That's what made the Reformation, right? Uh, Many monks uh, throughout the Middle Ages read the word and understood the truth, but it just stayed in the monasteries until people like Luther came along and they went out and nailed a 95 theses to the door of the church. They they went public with it. Said, hey, we got to do something different here, people. And that made all the difference. That was the point. Not to make trouble for its own sake, but you know when to make a scene to glorify Christ and to advance his gospel. That's important. That's, uh, just as a a side note here, but this is fairly relevant to us, we're doing this uh, in an outreach capacity, church-wise, on uh, social media. Uh, We're putting out advertisements, um, short descriptions of who we are as a church, and starting to get some feedback that's not always so positive, right? Like, why are you doing that? Or... You're that? What are you doing that for? And so we respond to that. And we want some of that. We want that kind of interaction because we want folks to know the truth and to know, even if that comes with a little bit of pain and discomfort of disagreement, that's fine. We want to get the truth out there. That's very important for us. So, also realize that Eli had to hear God's word against him from his adopted boy. That's quite something to think about. Sometimes the truth comes to us from unexpected places, right? Out of the mouths of babes. Parents, you've probably had that experience. Your, your 10-year-old or your 17-year-old says something, and it's totally convicting to you personally, right? It's like, or your 4-year-old, whatever it may be. Whether they meant it or know it or not, that's exactly what happens to Eli here. And he responds, it's hard to say if this is a faithful response, he says, it is the Lord, let him do as seems good to It almost seems kind of apathetic. At least he's accepting the word of God. Uh, he could still do something about it, but he doesn't. Right. So there's a bit of a contrast again between Eli and Samuel. Well, anyway, on to the second point there, Shiloh is reformed. Before Shiloh was dim, now it's being reformed. Shiloh is a public place, this is where the tabernacle is, Samuel doesn't have to set up a new place. God reforms the old one. Uh, it doesn't always happen that way in history, right? Uh, here in Shiloh, God removes the corrupt influencers, and he provides a faithful prophet. It's wonderful. Usually in history, the corruption continues, and it drives the faithful out. You know, we, we see that happen in the church, for example, in our liberal denominations. Right, that, that's what's happened uh, in my family uh, and in our uh, circles. Theological, moral drift uh, carries the majority of the church farther and farther from the Lord that she then she realizes in her worship, her first love, her discipline, in her joy. Uh, there's just this drift. But many new houses are established. Uh, And reform happens there. That's what uh, we see. uh, Reformation takes different shapes in different times. Here, Shiloh itself is reformed. And when God reforms his people, it usually involves pruning. Right? Eli's house is pruned off here. There's pruning. There's cutting off. At the time of Christ, when God reforms his people, uh, his presence leaves the temple and enters his people by the Spirit. Right? Right? And then Israel has a time to repent, but they don't. And so Rome comes in and destroys the temple. And there's a major pruning of God's people, a reshaping, right? That's the same, that's the same idea. There's this pruning effect. God's presence leaves Eli's house. It moves to Samuel, and then to Saul, and then to David. Shiloh was going to fall too, but God's presence remains so we need to be aware of this dynamic in the church today. Uh, there are many churches like Shiloh that are dim, fading, corrupt priests inside, but there's also faithful young Samuels. And you can kind of hear the hoofbeats of the Philistines outside. Right? That's extremely descriptive of our world today. In some places, it's, it's almost over. But for the moment, perhaps, God's presence is still there. And he's reforming his people. So Shiloh is reformed. And last of all, quickly, the word of God comes to all Israel. Right? First verse said, the word of God is rare. And now, at the end, uh, the word of God comes to all Israel. And that's, uh, it's in chapter 4, verse 1, actually. And 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 it's an interesting twist, because chapter 4, verse 1 says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Because Samuel now is the prophet. He, he's equated with the word of God uh, to such an extent. So uh, all that reformation we're talking about centers on the word of God coming. Verse 19 is, is uh, critical as well. Samuel grows, the Lord is with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. As I studied that this week, I was fascinated. I've always read that verse as Samuel didn't let any of God's words fall to the ground. Like like Samuel read the word, he heard God speaking, and he got it all. That's not what it's saying at all. It's the opposite. It, it's God let none of his words fall to the ground. God let none of uh, Samuel's words is the idea. In other words, God doesn't let any of Samuel's words fail. He doesn't let any of Samuel's words uh, be amiss in error, right? When Samuel speaks, he's bringing God's truth so god has made samuel a faithful speaker a prophet with god's word god is with samuel so that's the difference also between success and failure god has showed up he's shown up and he's with samuel later in samuel uh, in the book god leaves saul remember that the spirit of the lord left saul and entered david right same idea and that's an emmanuel principle right think christmas time God with us—that's what it all depends on—is incarnation. God being with us, and here you have God being with Samuel. Again, that's total opposite of chapter three, verse one, where the word of God was rare in those days. No frequent vision. Is God with you? Are you hearing Him speak? God sovereignly brings about revival and reformation as he brings his people to hear and to speak and to live his word. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, we thank you for giving us your word, for revealing yourself to us. We pray for increased faithfulness, uh, to read more, to understand more deeply, uh, to respond more quickly. More completely, uh, to do what this word says. We thank you that you have given us a Savior, where we have failed uh, to respond to you as we should. Uh, our Lord Jesus has done so, has has responded, has uh, obeyed your word completely and fully. Lord, let us follow in His footsteps. Uh, we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, the Everliving Word, and we sing. with pure water. As we come to the table, remember that the doors are open. The word has returned, and he calls out to you to come to the feast. We hear the invitation, we believe that we need this feast. The people in our Lord's parable who passed up the invitation to come to the wedding feast, they did not believe in the host of the feast. But we are in covenant with God as his people because of the doorkeeper and the master of the house, Jesus Christ. We come with a response of faith. As we come to this table, there's one thing needful. Believe the Lord. Listen to his word and believe. Chew and swallow the bread of the loaf, which is his body. Do this discerning the body, the congregation surrounding you. Believe that this is his body. And be at peace with all your brothers and sisters. Children, there's a word for you at that point, too. You need to be at peace with your brothers and sisters today, with your parents. If you aren't, ask your parents to help you set that right today. Uh, We are not just to read the New Testament or to hear it read. We are to drink the New Testament in Christ's blood. Drink it down and do so in faith. Come for all things are now ready. These are gifts of God for the people of God. The body of Christ broken for you, let us pray.
0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website christkirkmi.com that's c-h-r-i-s-t-k-i-r-k-m-i.com again thank you and blessings